So these next few weeks, it's really Holy Spirit speak to every one of us. Some of you are new. You've recently turned up. You're you kind of still kind of maybe not sure what you want to be a part of or what you want to do with your life. Whatever it is and wherever you are, we're praying that this, this, this sense of the Holy Spirit is going to be very distinct in your life. And it's not just you as an individual that, you know, you, you are a unique, profound person. The uniqueness should be the story of our lives. God doesn't make you a copy or a clone. He, he only produces uniqueness. I think that's a reminder that we need him more than anything. Because when you take God out of it, we all drift from uniqueness into copycats and into every other version of some other version. You know, you'll never know who you really are until you know who he is. And that's why we're going to continue to build a local church, preach the gospel. So what are we doing? We're changing people's perceptions about Jesus and his church. Changing perceptions is a challenge because people have a perception that church is rubbish, church is hostile, church is controlling, church is unpleasant. I don't know. Maybe you've got your own story and you're like, well, I grew up in church and I ran from the church. At the end of the day, what are we doing? We are doing our best to change people's perceptions about Jesus and his church. And I've got more content, which I'll probably go into more detail in Partners in the Mission. There's a reason why this is a part of our mission. Um, And I hope you can connect the dots. I'll do my best to help you with that. Creating a new mentality through the gospel. That's what the gospel does. The good news creates a new mentality, a new way of thinking. I think differently now. I used to think like this, but now I think like this. And it doesn't mean that you've become um, a robotic type person. You become an independent free thinker because of the Spirit of God working in you. You're able to think for yourself. You're able to make decisions for yourself. And you're able to actually find out how to understand things because it's not imposed God's presence is welcomed over our lives. And so are we creating a new mentality through the gospel? That's exactly what the gospel does. It creates a new mentality, a new way of thinking. Our city, our society, our world desperately needs some new thinking in Jesus' name. Amen? Not haters, but lovers. Builders, not destroyers. God gives us a new spirit, a spirit of soundness, a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. That's what God does. God creates a new community through the gospel, the good news. What is the good news? All the barriers are removed. You can come home. You can stay home. You belong to God and he belongs to you. Amen? Amen. And it's beautiful to realize that we have the opportunity to do that. So we're changing, we're creating, and ultimately we're contributing to the well-being of society That's really what it's about. We're not here just to have a sing-along. We're not just to have a happy, clappy party. We're actually going to take it somewhere. Take it to the marketplace. Take it to the work, university. Wherever you find yourself, can you bring the presence of God with you? Can you take the wisdom of God? And Sundays is really what it's all about. Sundays is the Lord's table. So this, in essence, is our mission outworked. I could tell you the vision, but I, I may not do that just yet. I might just do that midweek. But changing, creating, contributing. Changing, creating, contributing. That's what we're going to be doing as we build this local church forward. Is that okay? Do you want to be a part of changing people's perceptions? Let's do it. You want to create new mentalities through the gospel? Let's do it. Contribute to the well-being of society. Why would we withhold when we can bless and contribute, solve problems and innovate and create because we bring heaven to earth? Amen. It's all sounding very nice, but the challenge is it's incredibly difficult. Why? Because Christianity has already been in Europe once, and there's a strong resistance 
towards having any form of faith back in a pluralistic society. So I may go into a little bit more details with that. But before I do that, I want to um, read one verse that really is going to frame this for us. Is that okay? And it's found in Matthew's Gospel. And it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. It's the very first message I preached in our public service. The first Sunday we had a public service. Um, if you don't know the story, we took 18 months to build a community group from our home. And when we got to, we set a goal of 70 people. We said, when we get to 70, we'll start a public service. Well, we got to 83 people in our living room. It was all open plan. They were packed into the kitchen, packed into every area outside of the windows. And uh, we got to 83 people. We're like, we better start a public service. So we started a service. The first service we had was in Potsdamer Platz in, in, under the Sony Center, just under there. There was a venue there. Um, and we got kicked out after our first service. No, it wasn't too noisy. They just didn't, didn't like us. <laughs> the staff loved us, but the owners didn't. They didn't want church in their building. So we went, thankfully, we only had a service back every then every once a month. And then we went to every two weeks. And then eventually in October, we started public services every Sunday. This was the first Sunday I ever spoke in our church from Matthew 5. So you are the light that shines for the world to see. You are like a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't hide a lamp under a bowl. They put the lamp on a stand. Then the light shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so others will see the good things you do and praise your heavenly Father. So here's my little light from home. And I love that we are described by God to be light. It's crazy to live in a dark world. Who's going to help who in darkness? You ever been in a dark room and then who's helping who? Who's bumping into who? What harm do you do yourself in a dark room? If you can't see, you're going to get into trouble. And so obviously we have to develop other senses. But the truth is God has given us light. He wants us to be light. And I believe that is the mission and the vision of our church. And it's not just unique to us. I believe he wants that for all of his church globally. But we're not supposed to cover it. We're not supposed to hide it. We're not supposed to apologize for it. And yet, we are going to put ourselves out there for others to see. But the thing is, when you put yourself out there to be seen, you can be a magnet to a lost generation, but you also can be a target to hostility and hatred. And we have to have the wisdom to know what is it that we're doing and why we're doing it. You don't want to be knowingly a target because who wants to be attacked? Does anyone want to be attacked? Like, hello? Like, it's not really what you say, like, you know, you know. And, and yet, we've also realized that how can we help if we're not a light? How do we bring light? But in a respectful way, not forceful or in a way that... And so these are the tensions that I really want. So the story that I want to share with you today to try and get closer to this is what is the essence of who we are as a church? Not one church is supposed to be identical. Not one family on earth is identical. God doesn't create copy families. He doesn't copy, he doesn't create clone families. One of the fingerprints of God's creativity or God's wondrous is that he creates uniqueness every time, all the time. When we take God out of our story, we drift into everything else except uniqueness. Because we lose our way without him. 
And so we need him to get back to that profound uniqueness. There is no one like, a twin is never, they're not, they might be twins, they might be uh, in, in some way visually similar, but I'm telling you, not one twin is exactly the same. They are profoundly unique. Yeah. Triplets, quadruplets, whatever the numbers are, they're all profound and unique. So God doesn't create humanity as cones or copies. He creates uniqueness, uniqueness, uniqueness. When he, every church is unique. We are not the same as any other church. Now, there may be similarities. A lot of churches sing, but not all of them. A lot of churches have preaching and teaching, but not all of it is the same. And what I am trying to say to you is that we are not a copy of someone else. We're not a franchise of Hillsong. What works in Australia might not work in Berlin, and it doesn't. Because I've tried. <laughs> the same way you could talk about other countries or other cultures. It's not about a franchise model. It makes me, I don't want to be a part of a franchise. I don't think that's how God builds. And so we need to know what we're going to. We need to know that there is plenty of room for uniqueness because that's how God works. But let me just give you that idea of family. Not one family is exactly the same. By the grace of God, Luger, you're going to get married. You're going to build your own family. And even though you're Italian and your beautiful wife will be Brazilian. Someone said Brazilian. Is that the word of the Lord? You got a, you got a sister or you got a cousin or something? You got a phone number? Can you back it up? Have a conversation later. But whatever you do, it will be your family. Even though it has similarities, it won't be it's not a copy. And if you can get that with family, if you can get that with the church, if you can get that with each and every one of us, you'll begin to realize the wonder of how God works. Our challenge is, is we're trying to always conform. We're always trying to squeeze everybody into everybody's mold. No, 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 no. God forever in his genius can put the breath of God into us, but he wants us to represent him by making us us. It's a beautiful picture of what God does. But the local church is supposed to complement that, not work against that. So the story I want to give you is a story that's helped me and Joyce start our church. And that is, why do we come from London and why do we come to Berlin? And the story is a story that goes back in time. It's the first time someone breaks the one mile under four minutes. It's a story of Roger Bannister, a medical student at Oxford in 1956, on the 6th of May, he, with his friends, broke the record that everybody said was impossible. He ran one mile under four minutes. Medically speaking, the experts of the day said it was physically impossible, mentally impossible. No human being can run that fast. It was a barrier. It was a psychological barrier. Everybody talked about it. It's a little bit like today with the Berlin Marathon, so close to breaking the two-hour barrier. It's only a minute and several seconds away, but that could be another hour for anyone else, you know what I'm saying? And yet we may live in our lifetime, see the two-hour barrier broken, but right now it's a psychological barrier. And I believe that we will see it in our day. And we possibly will see it in Berlin because it's the perfect conditions for breaking this kind of barrier. But what I believe is through this story, and the reason I want to show you the story to you, it may not mean much to you, but the reason I'm sharing it, because it means something to me. 
Because God's used this story to give us a sense of who we are as a church and who we're becoming and where we're going. We're breaking barriers. What kind of barriers? We're we're kind of church that I believe the mantle on our life, the mandate upon our church from the beginning was to do what Roger Bannister did. Do something that no one's thought was possible. I had a lot of people tell me it's impossible to build a church in Berlin. I had every person tell me, nobody's going to give money to it. Don't talk about money. You'll get into trouble straight away. There's a lot of things I was told not to do. And I did it. But I did it with right spirit. I did it with, with the revelation of who God said. And the reason I'm sharing this story, because you'll never really understand if you've come into this church, if you don't connect the dots or know why, we have an essence, we have a sense of this is what makes us, us. Not every church is going to do the same things. And not every church is supposed to do the same things. But we are clearly mandated by God. I believe that we've been called by God to build the kind of church that is innovative, creative, and breaks the mentality that people say can't be done and it's getting done. You can't do Easter that way. You can't do a catwalk on Easter. Stop me. What is Easter anyway? It's about redemption. Something that was forgotten, something that was thrown away, something that was overlooked, something that nobody wanted. And we brought it back with love, purpose and meaning and we presented it now with new life. How cool is it to do that through clothes? We throw our clothes away and we think nothing of it. You bring clothes back, you redesign them, you get some creativity and you represent them and you walk them and you show people that's what God does with your life. He just did it with clothes. You take a belt. One of our catwalks was literally, it was the story of the Reformation where Martin Luther translated the Bible in German. And so we dressed up in garments with literature, paper, garment. If you see the, and why? Because we're changing people's perceptions about Jesus and his church. We try to call venues on Friday. Can we use the venue? It's the day of Kai Fry Tag or whatever you call it. The day of the dead. How dare you? We got told off by churches. You're not allowed to do anything today. Let's not be negative, Joyce. It's telling them the truth. <laughs> I get told off sometimes. Hey. We, we, Jules, true, true story. How many venues did you get told off at? Because people in religion think you can't do anything. And we had to say, well, what are we going to do on Good Friday? Good Friday is a chance to tell the redemptive story. But we use creativity. All of the people that did this were ordinary people in the church. They did something they never thought they could do. They did something they always wanted to do. It wasn't experts. It wasn't the cool designers and the creators on their Instagram accounts, influencers. They were too hard to work with. Because you couldn't tell them anything because they thought they knew everything. So we built with ordinary people in the life of the church and gave them vision and said, hey, imagine, can we invite our friends? And this is the story of our church. So why does the four-minute mile mean anything to us? Because it was a psychological barrier. People believed it couldn't be done. And it just took one person. In fact, he ran with his friends. The story of they. What's the church story? It's the story of they. 
They took communion. They went to each other's homes. They cooked together. They ate together. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They provided their friends together. They, they, they. God works with community. And he works with they. They were willing to be one. And I love that. That's what our church is supposed to represent. And so this thing about Roger Bannister, he literally broke this, the record one mile under four minutes. And he literally broke it by point zero point six of a second. It's like nothing. It's such a small number. And yet it had a huge ramifications. It had huge consequences in terms of it literally was the first time someone broke what everybody said couldn't be done. Within 46 days, his record was broken by an Australian athlete called John Landy. Australian. A few weeks later, other people broke it. A year later, hundreds of people were running one mile under four minutes. Today, most of us in the room can do it. I said most. The reason I'm sharing this with you because this defines who we are as a church. What kind of church am I going to? A church that wants to break barriers. What kind of church am I going to? A church that believes they can break one mile in four minutes. It's a metaphor, yes, I know, but the mentality is you couldn't tell these guys it couldn't be done because they'd already made up their mind. We're going to have a go. Even if we fail, we're going to get back up and have a go. Even if we fail, we're going to get back up and have a go. You couldn't tell them it couldn't be done. And have we had setbacks in Berlin? Yeah, every venue you can imagine. We don't want you here. We're canceling the contract. We don't like the church. We don't like Hillsong. We don't like you. I had someone in the foyer once walked up and you say, I don't like you. And I said, I don't like you neither. <laughs> Another day I walked in the foyer and someone said, I don't trust you. And I said, I don't trust you. Where are we going to go with this? It wasn't so much about me. It was way more about them. They were speaking from their own soul, not my soul. And so if we're going to build a church in this city, you have to understand we are not just going to be an ordinary status quo, getting by, surviving type of church. The tone will be always we're going somewhere. The tone will be get up and keep going. The tone will be what is it they can't say can't be done? We're going to have a go in Jesus' name. People don't give. Yes, they do. People don't believe. Yes, they do. People don't get healed. Yes, they do. People don't move forward. Yes, they do. Young people won't come. Yes, they will. No one's getting married. I know, but we will be hopeful. (laughs) Might even start an online dating app myself. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is God will not be silenced. Yes, we're not building a church. I agree. We're not building a church with arrogance, ego, fame, celebrity. All of these things are not what God builds. That's what man does when man gets away with things. Success can be another form of failure. So you need to know who we are and you need to know what you're being a part of or want to be a part of. I want to be a part of something that is brave enough to step out of the comfort zone. 
And that's why this story is a story that God put on our heart for our church. And so that will permeate everything. It will be reflective in our decisions and how we think and how we plan and how we move to the future. How are you going to start something in Warsaw? I don't know, but we're going to have a go. How are you going to do something in Prague? I don't know. Do you speak Czech? I don't even speak German. The gets there. Alles gut? Sehr schön. Alles klar. That's my Berlin vocabulary. I can get away with it here. There's a little bit more, but I can't say all of it. What I need you to understand is you've got to think about what God can do, not so much about what you can do. It's way more on him than it is on us. But what does God work with? He works with a willingness, an openness. And you learn as you go. So many of us, we go to uni to learn and then we try to figure out how to do what we've learned, but we don't always get it right. No, with God, you learn as you go. Every step you take, you're learning. Every step you take, you're learning. And we've got to learn as we go. And so these are the essence of who we are as a church. But listen, that was a small, small number when it came to the record he broke, but it had a huge, huge impact. All I'm saying is, Whatever God does with us as a church for 10, 20, 30 years, I believe it will be a catalyst for other churches as we get into the future. I'm not worried about those who are around at the moment. I know Berlin has lots of new churches coming and starting. I know when I first moved here, I got told there was 234 churches started in this city when we moved here, and all of them had gone home within three years. That's what I was told. I was like, thank you. We had no money when we came, but I got told lots of other churches had lots of money, lots of investments, lots of people getting involved in the vision and the mission. Berlin will be saved. We had nothing. We had our savings, one year of savings. No one was bankrolling us. No one was paying the bills. We had to learn how to pay our own bills. We had to learn and teach the people the ways of God, the kingdom of God, the mentality of heaven. We had to say, it's here. We need to believe God for it. You need to water it. It might be small, but let's believe God in Jesus' name. And so everything we've done has come from here. Everything that is here will stay here. It's not going to someone else. What's for Berlin will always be for Berlin. And by the grace of God, we will be generous to anything God calls us to beyond us. We may not have received much, but we can give much. So who's going to pay the bills? Berlin's going to pay the bills. We're going to pay for future generations. So I need you to understand that the mentality is changing people's perceptions about Jesus and his church. The metaphor is not so much to threaten We're not here to threaten, intimidate, but we're not here to play to the status quo. I don't apologize for anything we do as a church. We do not have the right to be arrogant. If we can get on with everybody, we would try. But that's not what the mission is. The mission is not to join a pastor's prayer meeting so all the pastors can pray together and feel secure together. I've done that and it doesn't work. If it's worked in your story, great, but it hasn't for me. The nearest I got to any pastors in this city was once I was invited to speak to Eastern German pastors who had been building for 30, 40, 50 years. And I was invited to speak one day and I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? Jules was there. I think you were interpreting, weren't you? You were translating. How did you get that job? (laughs) And my first thing I said, I felt God say to me, say, thank them for not giving up their prayers 
have mattered. And so I just said, I want to say thank you for your prayers. God has taken them. What we're doing is because of your prayers. Thank you. And there's tears, snot, and everything else. Why? Because it was true. They'd prayed for many years and not seen anything. And they weren't to be threatened by us. It was the answer to their prayers. We've got to connect the dots sometimes. No one does anything on their own. And the second thing I felt God say is thank them because their children are still serving God. Because a lot of people want their kids to serve with them where they are, where they are in their church. And a lot of the kids had left their families, left their churches. And by the grace of God, some of them started coming back, but they didn't go back to their family's church. They went back to this church, a new church. A church maybe where they could start serving God and get a sense of God's purpose for their lives again. So I just said thank you, thank you. But let, let them know that their kids are still serving God. It might look different, but that's okay. But they're still serving in Jesus' name. So how does that help you? How does that help me? Well, I think we need to understand that it's about realizing where we are and where we're going. So the spirit of our church is this four-minute mile idea. It's like... Someone's got to break it. Now, I can't tell you exactly what that means. Is it a number? We're going to build 10,000 people in our church in Berlin. Like, wow, there's a church of 10,000. I don't know, and it's probably not a number. I know a church in Budapest, 8,000 people, and you've never heard of it. It's a country that's so small in population, so small in so many ways, and yet you rarely will find a church that's bigger than 35 people. In this country alone, most churches, the average size is less than 45. Jules' community group's bigger than that already. So I'm not playing games with you or trying to get you to think it's about how big the ministry is or how big the pastor is or how big the books are. It's got nothing to do with it. It's how big the heart is. It's how can we serve? How can we love? How can we lift? How can we build? So you've got to understand the purpose of the local church. There's three things that we only do as a church, if you can put it up on the screen for us. These are the only three things we do as a church. We do good Sundays, we do good community, and by the grace of God, we make a difference in society. Sundays, it's about people encountering Jesus. It's the Lord's table. It's the Lord's table. It's not me to entertain you. It's not even me to make you feel impressed by my Bible knowledge. Good word, good worship, good connection. That's it. Was the message helpful today? Yep, great. Hallelujah. Was the worship uplifting and helped me to get my eyes off the mess and make God bigger than the mistakes? Yep. Fantastic. Awesome. Was there some great conversations in the foyer? Yeah, I know who to avoid and I know who to talk to. (laughs) Great. Okay. Good connection. Good word. Good worship. What more do you want? It's the Lord's table. You've got to learn to go to the Lord's table for yourself. But you've got to also realize that he's using me and he's using the team to help you to think about what it is that you want to do you are supposed to become an independent free thinker no one's telling you how to think and if if that's what's happening run or at least have an idea what that is and say that's not cool no one's going to force you to do anything you don't want to do and yet tragedy is your parents think you're in a cult well some of you How do we help them when you go, I'm so excited about going to church. Again, didn't you go last week? (laughs) 
I mean, once a year, darling, I understand that. But you went last week and you went the week before. Can I ask you a question, honey? Yeah, cool. Are you giving your money to that church? Oh, let's not talk about it, mom. Oh, my goodness. And then she talks to her husband. She's like, she's went to that church three weeks in a row. She started giving her money. Oh, my goodness. What's happening to her? And yet, if you took the same dedication to your exams... Oh, bless God, she's doing so well. She's going to be a doctor. (laughs) Study, girl, study, go for it. If she was an athlete playing volleyball, going to training four times a week and winning medals, oh, she's so dedicated. She's such a good, she'll, she'll actually play in the Olympics. That's my girl. But three weeks to church and give him money? Because we're living in Europe. They've had Christianity once. They don't want it again. And so it's not just, physio- it's not just philosophical. It's not just uh, political. It's deeply personal. How do we find truth? Everybody has their own version of truth today. So these are the realities. How are you going to answer the questions that people are asking? How are you going to deal with the objections that people have? How are you going to actually make sense in a pluralistic society that actually thinks what we're doing is completely wrong and to the well-being of society. And that's where we've got to understand the power of Sundays. It's about receiving from God. You've got to learn to receive so you can give. You receive from the Lord so you can give to others. You receive his wisdom so you can bring wisdom to the marketplace. You don't have to quote chapter and verse. You don't have to put Bible verses in your project meeting when you're leading the team you just got to make sense you got a different spirit you actually know how to navigate complexities within the team you know how to bring them up and really and connect them and strengthen them and how to speak to their well-being amen the house of God works with you not against you community and society we'll talk about in the next two weeks but this is what we're dealing with we only do three things we're dealing with spiritual poverty We're dealing with loneliness and we're dealing with physical poverty. The biggest problem on earth behind all problems, the root behind all fruit is spiritual poverty. Humanity is disconnected from the creator. We don't know who we are, so we have to beg, borrow and steal from everything else. And what I need you to understand is with salvation, we're solving the biggest problem on planet earth. So we're going to go for salvation and the enemy hates it. But it's the way we go about salvation. We're not going getting spiritual scalps at the bus stop or the U-Bahn or the S-Bahn. Pastor, what's the evangelistic strategy of this church? You. You. If you're weird, we're in trouble. If you're awesome, hallelujah. I remember sitting down with a group of guys a few years ago and we were just having a conversation and one of them said, oh, I'm now a vegan. I'm like, what? He said, I'm a vegan. I was like, you're vegan? He said, yeah, I'm a vegan. I said, when did you become a vegan? He said, oh, just a few months ago. He said, I met a vegan and now I'm a vegan. And the next guy ran to him and he said, no, I'm a vegan. I said, how are you a vegan? He said, I met him. And he told me what it is, and now I'm a vegan. And then I was at a table with six guys. Five of them were vegans. I was like, how did you become a vegan? I met a vegan. Is it that easy? (laughs) How do you meet a Christian? How do you become a Christian? 
How do you become a follower of Christ? And it does matter what church you go to. And so this is what I'm trying to say to you. We only do three things. Good Sundays, good community, society should benefit. And I really hope that you can understand that. We only do a few things and hopefully we do a few things really, 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 really well. If we're telling a story, tell it well. If we're doing Easter, do it well. But we are changing perceptions, creating new mentalities, and we are contributing by the grace of God to the well-being of society. When we leave here, we've got to go back to the world that is hurting. You are a light. Put it out there to be seen. You're a city on a hill. Don't cover it up. And that is the kind of church we've been called to build. Have we broke the four-minute mile? No. Are we going to have a good go? Yes. Will we ever break it? Hopefully. But what is the essence of our church? Whatever God does with us, it will inspire someone else. Whatever God does with us, it will give someone else courage to believe. Amen. And by the way, you've got no control over this. I don't know who we've inspired. I don't know who we've offended neither. Well, I kind of do know. But I am saying this, we've got to keep our course. Maybe it's the church you need to be a part of. Maybe it's the vision that you need to get under. Maybe it's something on your life that we need so we can move in strength into the future. But you're not here wasting time. It's not entertaining the saints. We're not building a church for Christians. We're building it for the lost, those who don't know how to get home, but they've now been invited home. We're building it for sons and daughters who want to connect with what their purpose on earth is all about. And does this house do that? It should do. You don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know what their struggle is. You don't know what their addiction is. You don't know what their fears are. And it's got nothing to do with you neither. But if someone's sitting in this seat, in this house, they need to have a chance to believe that they are poor, they matter, they're valuable, and they have a God-given future. They don't need a legalistic person next to them. They don't need a liberal and they don't need a legalist. They need a real child of God who just got to say, hey, listen, if God can do it for me, maybe you can do it for you. I'm figuring this out too. How about you? No one is going to hold your past against you. We all have a past. And Jesus says, I'll take care of your past. Leave it with me. Everyone in this present moment has something to navigate, a struggle, an issue, a fear, an addiction, a something that we in this moment are aware of, but maybe no one else does. And yet God says, walk with me. Don't resist me. And what can we do in people's present right now is support them and let them know they're not on their own. They're loved, they're precious, they're incredibly valuable to God and His purposes. And one thing we should be guilty of every time, every day is we all have a future. Could we speak to that future? Could we advocate that future? Could we say, hey, you have a future? Because that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. So yeah, the spirit is we want to do something that's never been done. Maybe it is owning a building and yet someone owns the Berlin Dome can't be Frederick the Great or Kaiser because he's no longer here. Maybe the state owns it. Maybe the state church owns it. I don't know. 
So I don't know what our four minute is exactly. I just know we're not handing problems into the future generation. Whatever we need to win, we win it so they can get into their own challenges. Whatever giants we need to face, they don't have to face our giants. They'll have their own giants to face in Jesus' name. But this church, by the grace of God, will serve God's purposes for generations to come. So we've got to understand who we are. We've got to understand that we are doing a few things really, really well. And I've got so much more different, I've got content to give you and understand. Let me finish with this so you've got something to land on. Is that okay? And it's said like this. If we're going to impact the city, we need to love the city. Love the city? I hate the city. I don't want to be here. Ah, the trains, the people, the dirt, the neighbors. They remind me that there's a law. I have to be quiet after 10 o'clock at night. There's a law that says I can't be noisy before 6 o'clock in the morning. There's letters left in my letterbox. Ah. If we're going to impact the city, what's the good of hating the city? Listen, God loved us while we were not doing cool things. We were not very lovable, but God said, I love you. So the gospel is what's going to help us. The new mentality is going to help us to see the city the way God sees it. He loves the city. He loves the people. When I'm talking about the city, I'm not talking about the architecture. I'm talking about the people. The rich tapestry of wonder that this city has become. Well, migration. God always walks through migration. If people are moving, God's going to be using them in Jesus' name. Amen. I know it's complicated. I know it's complex. I know people don't want Christianity again or the version that they think they know. That's why we need to change people's perceptions about Jesus and his church. And we do it through Sunday services. We do it through a community of real people with real challenges, with a real Jesus. So I know it's a challenge. We should be wanting to love the city because God does love the people of this city. He doesn't want to see the brokenness. He doesn't want to see children crying themselves to sleep at night. He doesn't want to see starvation. He doesn't want to see drug abuse. He doesn't want to see perversion. He doesn't want to see all of the sexual things that go on behind the closed doors or even sometimes in public places. He wants His presence over the people because they're His. They're His sons and daughters that He has breathed the breath of life into. We're going to love the city. We have to understand we can't impact it if we hate it. To impact the city, we're going to need to stay long-term in the city. Well, it'd be nicer to move out. Yeah, it would be. The grass is greener. The air is clearer. The water's probably cleaner than the ones in Berlin. But what are you going to achieve by living out of the city? Well, I can afford a house there. Okay, go for it. God bless But again, when is it going to be about him and less about you? No one's going to argue with these things, by the way, because it's subjective. You do what you want to do. You do what you believe you're supposed to do. So no one's going to be unpleasant with you. But again, how are we going to make the presence of God known in the city if we all leave? Someone's got to stay. If you're here for one year, stay three. 
If you're here for three, stay six. If you're here for five years, stay 10, get married, have children, start a business and buy a couple of apartments. Have you seen the price? Yes, it's going up and it's going up. But someone has to get in. Believe God for favour and wisdom on your life, promotion, a new job, a new way, a new innovation. Someone has to drive a Tesla. But if we are going to impact the city, we need to stay long-term in the city. You don't have to stay here forever, but someone's got to stay. And the point is, is even if you're here for a season, make the church better and bigger and healthier so that when you go, we stay and we keep serving God's purposes in this city. Amen. We're probably going to be here lifers. Me and Joyce, we're here as long as it takes. But what I am trying to say to you is, is whatever season you are, you're going to give your best. That's the idea. Because this church needs to serve God's generations for many generations to come. Here's another one for you. I've only got two more. The impact of city, we need to always find ways to serve the city. How do we serve the city? How do we solve problems? How do we bring new ways of doing things? I get so excited about this. Why? Because you've never seen God's people until they're solving problems. There's something about God's people when they come together and they can just... But the thing is, the mindsets are so anti-church that we don't even get a foot in the door. The name of our church is changing. And some of you are like, ah, how could you do that? I love Hillsong. We're not changing the name Hillsong. We're just picking a legal name that helps us to serve the vision that God has given us. It's called the Kindness Project. Oh, that's okay. Why? Because when you go into something to do with a city as the Kindness Project, it's a pathway, not a barrier. But when you go into a, a, an initiative with anything in the city and say, oh, we're Hillsong Berlin, eh? it's an instant barrier. You don't even get a chance to have a conversation. So I'm not saying this to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I'm just saying wisdom says, be smart about how you build your future. The kindness project is our pathway to how we get to serve the city. Start new kindergartens, find ways to build families and young people, and inspire people, creatives, artists, still live here in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you come from other cultures, other countries, and your best days are ahead of you because you know how to build in these cities. You know how to build in these parts of the world because God's got something on you. God's got something in you, and you can't throw it away because God wants to use you more than you could imagine. He takes the rich tapestry of wonder and says, look what I'm going to do with my sons and daughters. There's a richness in them. And I know that that's what church can be and should be. And the final part of this is, if we're going to impact the city, we need to live counterculture. If we say we're integrous, we have to be integrous. We live differently. We conduct our lives differently. We don't sleep around. We're not loose as a goose. We're not promiscuous. We're not so desperate and needy that we have to fulfill everything in our lives with certain measures or certain practices. We've got constraints and they are welcomed. They are not enforced because Jesus never enforces anything on His people. We welcome. They're not enforced. So yeah, we do think differently. We do live our lives differently. We don't have sex before marriage. Straight away, that is already a... But that's the whole idea. When do we live counterculture? 
How do we live counterculture? Yes, in some ways, some people think we're traditional. Some people think we're modernists. Some people think we're post everything. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We are here. The grace of God is here. The wisdom of God is in us. And we have a local church that can be an expression of His grace and His majesty. And straight away, I can lose some of you because if we're going to impact the city, we've got to live counterculture. What message have we got if we say one thing but live another way? I'd rather not say anything then. Exactly. You've lost your voice. You've lost your influence. You've lost your message. I'm not talking about living culture in an unpleasant way. I'm talking about living counterculture because you know who you belong to. You know where your strength comes from. You know why you're here and you know the grace of God and the strength of God can help you every step of the way. You've got to keep yourself separated unto God. Keep yourself. And even if you don't, even if there is something that is, ah, what temptation, struggle, why did I do that? You're the kind of person who knows what to do. You take responsibility. You say, you know what? I don't know why I was thinking that way. I don't know why I did that. It's not that you get it wrong. We get it wrong. It's we know what to do when we get it wrong. Humility says, get back. Pride says, you're lost forever. So let's understand what we're talking about. We're not superhuman. (laughs) We're weak and fragile, complicated and messy, too much sometimes, but we know where our strength comes from, amen. We know who we belong to in Jesus' name. I would rather build the house of God in the front of the gates of hell than be comfortable anywhere else in Jesus' name. So maybe... You're getting a little bit idea about what kind of church you're going to. Passionate, unapologetic, purposeful, absolutely, because that's how we deal with loneliness. And hopefully, we're willing to break a four-minute mile. We'll do what people said couldn't be done. And I really believe this city can be a great example of what God is doing. How dare... Who am I to say what the Lord can do? Who am I to say what the Lord can do? God can do anything in Jesus' name. And maybe He's going to do that with you and me in Jesus' name. Amen.